Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. The title of it is called Beware of False Teachers. Our main section of verses are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to, read, we're going to look through verses 14 through 17. So our main study today is 2 Timothy 2, verses 14 to 17, but I am going to read, read some verses to you before we get to that. Matthew 24, 24. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform, listen to this, great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. The elect being true believers. 2 Timothy 3, 4. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through... So the first one was Matthew 24, 24. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4, as we talked about last week. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. 1 John 4 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. There's not enough testing going on. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Matthew 7 7, 7 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. I feel me right now, there's kind of this sense of, I need to, I don't want to be, I want to bring this the right way, but it's just a stirred in me. Um, so here's our main verses for today, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And this is Paul talking to this young pastor, Timothy. Timothy probably in his 30s. In his seasoned man of God, the Apostle Paul says to him, and look at, what, look at the things he's talking to him about. He says, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Verse 16, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And verse 17, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. And I thought about that. Paul just named names. So if you ever... Uh, he wasn't afraid to make people know. You watch out for these two, right? So God is truth. God never speaks lies. And he is truth. The devil's a liar, he's a father of lies, and he goes about deceiving people, and guess what? He uses people to deceive people. And he uses teachers to deceive the sheep. Um, people of God, we've always been plagued with false teaching. There's this invasion of false prophets, false teachers, false apostles, false Christs. It's something that the people of God have endured for all time. Satan constantly attempting to oversow the truth with his lies. He attempts to confuse the world. He attempts to confuse the church and fill it with such deceit, the sea of deceit. They can't even perceive the truth of God because there's so much deceit. 
They don't know whether they're hearing the Word of God or what's the Word of God. They're just hearing the person and what they teach. A steady stream of false teaching, false teaching about God, about Christ, about the Bible, about spiritual reality, it's pandemic. And these effects of false teaching have been damning and devastating. And matter of fact, the Bible calls them damnable or destructive heresies which lead men to destruction. And I believe as we come closer to the coming of Christ, you're going to see more and more, hear the word, misrepresentations of the word of God. Servants of the Lord, we have to be aware of false teachers and their lies. And if you look at Acts chapter 20, you have to go there. It says the Apostle Paul, for three years, day, night and day, with tears, warned the believers and the leaders of Ephesus of those who would come from among them and from outside of them with lies. He wept over this. He wept knowing that they were going, people were going to be deceived. These guys were going to come in, and especially as soon as the capital A apostles passed on, all, man, there's just a hell broke loose of all deceptive teachers. So Paul's charge to young Timothy was to get him to hold the truth and to pass that truth on to the generations after him to avoid this damning influence of false teachers and false teaching. And there's so much of it today. It's all around us in the cults, in the isms, false religions, TV preachers, lying teachers. They're abounding in society. False teaching that abounds because of the media capability that's made it worse than it's ever been. Anybody can get on TV and deceive the masses. Here's what we see. Denials of the Trinity... Denials of the deity of Jesus Christ. Denials of the inerrancy and authority of Scripture. Denials of salvation by grace alone through faith, which God has provided. Counterfeit gospels. False ideas of true spirituality. Misrepresentations of the character, nature, and work of God. Misrepresentations of the character, nature, and work of Christ. And misrepresentations of the character, nature, and work of the Holy Spirit. These abound. And there's a myriad of people espousing all kinds of lies in the name of God's truth. We've got to be people that are aware of this and we listen to what's being said. Test every spirit. I literally have watched men and women on television who have put themselves forth as preachers of Christ and as far as I could tell, almost everything they said was a misrepresentation of Scripture. So with all that said, let's break our verses down. Verse 14 says, Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God. Them, he's referring to the whole congregation and those who will teach others. So remind them, he's telling them, Timothy, remind them of these things. Remind them of what things? Well, he's looking back at verses 1 through 13. Things like, remind them of the responsibility to be teachers who pass things on to others. Remind them that they are soldiers who are to endure the hardness. Remind them, Timothy, of the positive call to duty. Remind them of the preeminence of the Lord they serve. Remind them of the power of the word and the purpose of the work and promise of reward. That, and that's all good, positive stuff. Remind them of these things. But then we have this transition that takes us into the negative. So if you look at verse 14, he then says, And solemnly charge them in the presence of God. So we turn this corner here, and we're not just now constantly reminding them, but we're commanding them. We're solemnly commanding them. There's a seriousness here. And what is it that we are to command them? Command them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. 
It's intended to put fear in the heart. There's times when the presence of the Lord is meant to increase our sense of comfort, but there's more times when it's meant to increase our sense of accountability. If you're going to go to a church, you better go to a church that's not afraid to talk about accountability before a holy God. It's amazing. I mean, you think about he might be saying this vile, vile thing to uh, command them about and to watch out for, but it wasn't. Solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words. We could read that, not that big of a deal, but you've got to understand what it means to not wrangle about words. It's the Greek word logomachia, to wage a war of words. But it has a larger context to it, and this is what I really want you to hear. It has to do with the typical characteristic of false teachers who use their words to argue against the word of God. It's useless, and it brings ruin. Paul calls to avoid this word battle that pits divine truth with human philosophy. And a lot of what we hear preached in churches today and on television is simply human philosophy. It's life coaching. It's not the word of God. It's not the truth of God's word. Human philosophy. And, and I say this lovingly, please, I'm going to name a name. But I'm going to name the name because I think it's important to hear the name and hear what's coming after the name. So hang with me. Don't get mad at me. I'm going to do this in love. Joel Osteen spoke against churches, which he'd be speaking against ours, that tell people that they are guilty before God and do not measure up to a standard of perfection. He said, you got to get away from that. God is smiling down on you right now. God is for you. He breathed life into you. I've learned that when you know God is for you, then you can rise higher. You can go further in life. Sounds great. It makes me feel so good, even if I was lost and depraved in my sin. It makes me feel really good that God's looking down on me and smiling on me. But that message is in exact opposition to the message of the gospel, as has been preached in the word of God by Jesus and the apostles, which says in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's standard of perfection, and we all deserve God's punishment for our sin. And whether you have heard this before, if you're in here today, know this, that God's wrath is against the sinner. Remember, he didn't send the sin to hell, he sent the sinner to hell. And when Jesus died on the cross and was brutally beaten, what was that representing? The wrath of God that you deserved. That's what he did on the cross. That's why when we come to church, this should be really exciting, because if you're really saved, you know what you've been delivered from. And we don't get it because we don't understand how holy God is. But God's also incredibly, he's the ultimate example of love. And it's all done to try to rescue people out of potential damnation. Human philosophy, it's what I like to call spiritual jargon. It's masked as the truth of the word of God. You've got to be careful, not knocking him personally, but you've got to listen to what's being said. Is it truth? Is it I don't want to go, I don't want to be around a spiritual life coach or an inspirational life coach. I want to be around someone who's going to preach to me and tell me the truth so I can keep my life in the right direction. But I want to be a herald of the gospel, not an inspirational life coach. 
I don't even want life coach in my title. He is evangelistic pastor, life coach. No, man, it, it rips out the whole meaning of what I'm called to do here. I'm not called to, you you all look good, you're great, you're wonderful, but you know what, if you're lost, you want to hell. And if you're saved and you're not living right, you're going to suffer the the discipline of God because your life isn't where it needs to be. But I love you. Amen. Amen. Another guy who's, I won't name a name. No, he says, this is, and this is a TV guy, this is a, this is a, this is a so-called quote-unquote apostle of a new movement called the New Apostolic Reformation, which is now touting that the church is led by particular apostles and prophets of which the pastors now have to come up under. It is a cesspool of deception, which is coming a lot out of the Bethel Church in Redding, California, uh, with uh, Bill Johnson, I mean, even Jesus Cultures, their worship group, and uh, some strange stuff. Watch, Google some videos on Bethel Church and you will be absolutely baffled. And you're, it'll blow your mind what you see them doing. In the name of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Word of God. He said, this gentleman said, I can actually claim somebody that doesn't believe and there's no way for them to get out of it. Sounds great. Sounds really, you know, wow, he must have a lot of power. Sounds supernatural but he will never be able to determine someone's salvation. Only God can do that. But people say it, and so-called Christians sit in it, and you know what they do? I've watched it. They're, oh, that's awesome. Like it's a deep revelation. Oh, my goodness. And it's, it's false. It's lies. It's deception. Mystical jargon. And there's no common ground for words like this. Here's what, the demons know that if you can just fill up a person's head with a bunch of terminology, you can just fill up a person's head with a bunch of terminology, a bunch of words, human reason and philosophy, you can confuse them about the simple truth of God's word. You all with me? Kenneth Copeland. Not attacking him personally as a man, I don't know him, but I I just give, give you just a little... Taste of, listen to the words, listen to the words. He said, quote, Adam was created in God's own image. Sounds okay. And likeness, a spirit being, and takes on the nature of his spiritual father or Lord. If you stood Adam upside God, they look just exactly alike. If you stood Jesus and Adam side by side, they would look and act and sound exactly alike. The image is that they look just alike, but the likeness is that they act alike and they are alike. This is Mormonism. All of God's attributes, all of God's authority, all of God's faith, all of God's ability was invested in that man. End quote. That sounds great, and people will cheer that, and they'll buy the books, and he'll have all the money that he has, um, but he just taught a diminished view of God. He just brought God down to our level. I'm not a God. I'll never be a God. I'm not a little G-God. Right. You've got to be careful of what you're listening to. It's a clear, clear misrepresentation of the character and the nature of God. Beware of false teachers. And this is going on in churches, and it's even going on in seminaries all over the land. Aren't you glad you came today? 
It's being espoused by evangelists and preachers on television who don't speak the truth. This verbiage is, is just barraging the church. Uh, it's unbelievable. And if you don't think that it's had any effect, ask yourself how the church ever got to the place where it advocates abortion, which it does in many quarters. If you don't think it's had an effect, ask yourself how the church ever got to the place where it accepted theistic evolution and starts to deny the creative work of God in six days as recorded in Genesis. Ask yourself how it is the church has allowed for homosexuality. Ask yourself how the church has allowed unholy leaders to rise to leadership, demonstrate their unholiness, and stay right where they are. Ask yourself how the church has brought into it the psychology of contemporary human thought. It's destroying the church. We have to fight for the bride. And if you don't think this jargon has invaded us, you're not looking very close. You're not listening very intently. Every false doctrine from other religions has invaded the church. So we have this kind of, and don't get mad at me now, we have this kind of hybrid mysticism in aspects of the charismatic movement. It almost looks mystical. The words that are spoken, I get saying right words, but you can carry that to a place where it becomes mystical. You got to watch that. And you can test me too. Go home and read it. Test, test what I'm saying to you. Listen to the recording. Sit down. Test it. But don't take it to a false teacher because they're going to tell you that I'm false. So, you know, be careful. <laughs> and all these things in the church are the words of men. Someone comes up to me and says, what does it mean to be slain in the spirit? I say to them, I have no idea. It's not even in the Bible. It's jargon. Confusing talk that mitigates against the word of God. Amen. It's words. It's... It's jargon. I, I told my wife, I'm trying to find this, this phrase, this description. It's mystical jargon. And we make things up. You've got to be careful with that. Think about it. Back in the day of Timothy and, and uh, Paul, there's Gnostic philosophical heresy, all these high-sounding fancy words undermining the simple teaching of the apostles. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get it so confusing, so filled with deceit, that the simple teaching of the Word of God can't be heard. Bible words without Bible doctrine. These things are in the church because the church is willing to listen to the world. And the church is willing to listen and set aside, or willing to set the Bible alongside the reason of man. And let the reason of man pump its jargon into the issue so that the Bible becomes confused in the minds of those who look at it. Even be careful what version of the Bible you read. Everybody's big into the passion thing. Watch that. That is a, you, you got to understand one guy wrote that. And you got to understand that is not a verse by verse going through and telling the word of God as it's supposed to be. You got to be careful. Things like the shack. You got to be careful of these new things. There's no new revelation, number one. All the revelation we have is contained in the word of God. Anytime someone comes to you and says, I have new revelation, it's not true. Amen. Be careful of the things that you read. Be careful of things that you put inside of you. And he's saying here to Timothy, this is useless. It's no profit. has no spiritual benefit. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 4.1, he says, it's the doctrine of demons which are spawned by seducing spirits through hypocritical lying speakers. Someone says, man, that is, you're preaching too, it's too, straight, too hard today. This is what the Apostle Paul was teaching this young pastor to watch out for. 
And listen, just because the pastor, the so-called prophet or apostle, and seemingly everyone else is doing it, it does not make it okay. We're in the end times, and we need to be smarter sheep. So I have another one for you. I've personally seen this myself. I, I, have, re, I have learned in the last little bit of time that there's, there's this, in, in, the, in, Hindu, in Hinduism, gurus, um, they have a phrase where they say they lay hands on their subjects and they impart blessings. Sound familiar? What are the blessings? Uncontrollable laughing, roaring, barking, crying, shaking. Sound familiar? In some cases, unconsciousness occurs. If you do a search on the internet of something called Kundalini, you will find confirmation of these manifestations. And when you watch the guru as he lays hands upon and imparts into them the blessing, you will literally watch them begin to shake and convulse and bark and move and twitch, laughing uncontrollably. I watched a video of, the, I think it was at Bethel Church, they have what they call a fire tunnel and they run the kids through it. And this video showed all these kids on the ground and they're, and they're twitching and they're yelling and they're barking and they're laughing and they're, you're like going, that's scary. I got scared. And this is going on in a mainline church that's affecting people around the world. Rodney Howard Brown. Been to his meetings before. Unfortunately, I, had, I was there. I didn't, I ran out. Um, his latest endeavor is, called, endeavor is called the Great Awakening. Remember, theirs is called the Kundalini Awakening. And he has the exact same experiences take place in his meetings that take place in the name of the Kundalini Spirit. It's the same thing I saw at Brownsville, the revival, Lakeland, uh, Toronto Blessing, uh, the Bethel Church in Reading. It's, it's mind manipulation. And it's demonic. And you have to be careful of what you're watching, what you're listening to. Convulsing, shaking, twitching. All this in the name of the Lord. All this in the name of the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there are deceiving spirits that are in the church. They are deceiving the masses. I'll be honest with you, and I'll say this very direct. I can't imagine a truly regenerated person sitting in that environment for more than a minute. Truly regenerated. So you wonder, I wonder if how many of them that are there, if they're not even saved, to listen and to see that and to be deceived. People buy into it. And Christian parents send their kids to these things. They won't even send their kid to the park thinking that somebody might hurt them but they have no problem sending your child to a gathering like this unaccompanied. We need to protect our youth from these vipers. So what's the result of this stuff? He says, this kind of stuff leads to the ruin of the hearers. Y'all still with me today? Kind of? Okay. 
This kind of stuff leads to the ruin of the hearers. And the word ruin is catastrophe. That's the Greek word for it. It means to overturn, subvert, upset, or overthrow. False teaching has the effect that is opposite of edification. It doesn't build up. It tears down. It doesn't strengthen. It weakens. Someone says, why did you name names? I have nothing against the person personally. I don't know them personally. I see what they teach. And because I love you enough, whether you realize it or not, because I love you enough, I want to make sure as a pastor, as he did to Timothy, that you are being aware of what's out there. I wouldn't love you if I didn't teach you these things. It's really easy to come in here and just sugarcoat everything. I'm not really loving you then. And if you don't think the wrath of God has anything to do with things, read Romans chapter 3. Second Peter 3.16 says, The untaught and unstable distort the word of God as they do the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a destruction. And we're called to realize that we have to stay away from this false teaching because it damns the eternal soul of the people who are under its influence. Listen, a false gospel will not save. And false teaching will not disciple. I can't disciple people on spiritual jargon. You disciple them as you exposit the word of God. You teach them the word of God. How it was originally in context. You bring it forth. You break the verses down. That's how people learn. False gospel will not save. And this inability of people to look at people and say, if you're not saved, you're, the wrath of God is against you. I said last week I heard somebody teach that. Well, I won't go into that. That's, there's a second danger here. Not only does it ruin the hearers, but it, secondly, it shames the teachers. Man, and this is, I, I stand in holy fear of this because I don't want to be this. Verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. The key word here is ashamed. Anybody who teaches anything other than that which is accurately reflective of the word of truth ought to be ashamed. Stand before God ashamed. Shame means a painful feeling arising from the consciousness of having done something dishonorably. And I know this in myself because I don't care how big this is or how big it will ever be. I could not live with myself if my whole desire was to grow this and grow it by dumbing down the gospel and bringing worldly thought into this place so that everybody thought everything was great and they grew that way. I could not live with myself. I am not going to stand before God handling his word improperly just to get more money, just to make something grow. Anyone who propagates any false teaching ought to be ashamed and has reason to face God ashamed. It's worthy of condemnation, not commendation. Listen, anybody Oprah has on, any preacher Oprah's going to have on, she's only going to have them on her TV show because she knows they're not going to stand for the truth. Anyone who misrepresents, misinterprets, ignores or distracts from God's word through false teaching, confusing people with human reason, 
ought to be ashamed, no matter how many degrees, PhDs, or titles you have by your name. So how do you avoid being a shameful teacher? First of all, be diligent. You have to give maximum effort to this. And make sure you're really reading the Word of God. Make sure you're going to the right resources. You have to give your whole life to it. That's why 1 Timothy 5.17 says, The elder who labors in the Word and doctrine is worthy of double honor. It's a labor. It demands a commitment to excellence. I don't take five minutes to put these things together. It takes time. It takes, you gotta, you gotta look at it. You gotta, is this right? What he said, is that right? Is, it's a labor. Secondly, we have to be diligent and make our maximum effort in order to present ourselves approved to God. What a thought. Be approved by God as someone who is bringing forth the word of God. What a thought. Worthy after testing. Proven worthy. So what's the goal of the teacher? To make a maximum effort so that he may someday stand alongside the very holy presence of God unashamed because he has proven himself to be worthy. What a great goal. To stand alongside as a worthy teacher of his truth. 2 Corinthians 2.17 says, We are not like many peddling the word of God. I'm not twisting it. I'm not turning it to fit my little deal. And whatever movement we decide to get into, we will twist and turn to make it fit our movement. So, in closing this morning, the Apostle Paul says this, Look, you have a solemn command before a holy God in whose presence you are at all times to avoid any encroachment on Scripture that is useless from those whose teaching ruins the people they teach And you also must realize that anyone who doesn't handle the word of truth with great accuracy has reason to stand before God and be ashamed. It's a serious thing to trifle with God's word. Verse 17 says it will spread like gangrene. So I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can to benefit the bride of Christ. We need to beware of false teaching. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us. You can come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.